What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast for the overshadowed. I am your host, Michelle, and I am back today with a new episode about a very suspicious disappearance. Before I begin, if you are not doing so already, go ahead and follow BNC on wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow me on Instagram, which is at black underscore cold underscore podcast. What else? Oh, if you are liking this show, don't forget to drop a rating and leave a review. It helps me out, especially with reaching a wider audience. And lastly, if you would like to submit a case suggestion, you can do so via the link that will be in this episode's show notes. I actually have a case suggestion episode coming very soon. It's been a while since I've done one, but I just want to let you guys know that I do see what you are submitting. It may take me a little minute to get to them, as you can see, but I absolutely do read them. All right, so let's jump into today's episode where we are in the state of Ohio after a 33-year-old trans woman goes to the store to get a water bottle, but from what is known, she never makes it there, and even scarier, she never returns home. This is the disappearance of Sequoia Cooper. August 9th, 1988, Sequoia Cooper spent the majority of her life in the city of Toledo, Ohio. She was raised by a woman named Luann Cooper, who actually started out as being her foster mother, but Luann would eventually end up adopting Sequoia when she was just nine years old. Growing up, Sequoia's biological mother, Regina Love, unfortunately was dealing with a substance abuse problem, so she knew she was unable to provide for her child like she wanted, and she was the one who, in fact, sought this assistance from Luann, which is not something we always see happen. Now, Sequoia did not always identify as Sequoia. Her legal name was actually Devin, and, you know, that's how people knew her as she was growing up. But Sequoia and Luann have been described to have a very close relationship with one another. Luann stated that she was overall a good child, and Sequoia is known for being very outgoing and full of life, according to her brother James. From a very young age, it seems Sequoia knew she was going to be a member of the LGBTQIA community, And as we know, it is not always easy for people of that community to fit in or be accepted everywhere. However, Sequoia met her best friend Bree when they were kids or teens, I believe, and their connection from the moment that they met blossomed into basically a sisterhood. As a fellow member of the LGBTQIA community herself, Brie understood Sequoia, even when others did not. 
She explained to NBC's Dateline that the two of them experienced a lot of hard times together. And there was one point in their lives when they really felt they only had each other. On a positive note, though, Sequoia's biological mom, Regina, she would begin her recovery process by the time Sequoia reached her teenage years. And this is when both of them would start to build a relationship with one another again. And just to mention and add to that, in January of 2023, Regina was interviewed by Dateline as well, and she stated that she has remained clean and has been for around 20 years, which I love to hear it. So as I mentioned, Sequoia is known to be this bright personality who can light up any room that she walks in. And as she began growing into her adulthood, her and her best friend, Brie, literally remained inseparable. It wouldn't be until 2021 that their friendship was tested when Brie decided that she wanted a change of scenery for herself, and she made the decision to move over 100 miles away to Columbus, Ohio. According to her interview when she spoke with NBC, not too long after Brie made this move, she really wanted Sequoia to move down to Columbus with her. Initially, Sequoia seemed hesitant, but her best friend, who was really more like her sister, ended up talking her into it. Sequoia then began to move some of her things in Bree's place, and just like that, she was ready to start fresh in a new city. Very quickly after she relocated, Sequoia started working at a thrift store, and within months, Bree says she saved up her money and ended up moving into her own place. Now, the new place where Sequoia moved to was located in the Linden area, which is in the northeast section of the city. According to an article written by Steve Levine from CW Columbus, it seems Sequoia was living with her partner named Richard at this time. None of the sources seem to have um, specific months or dates, but Sequoia's new home was 20 minutes away from where Brie was now living. And although this may not seem far for many, it was a distance for them too. And with that, Brie ended up moving again, and this time she got a place right next to Sequoia. So as you can see, they were inseparable and they were always there for one another. While she settled in her new place, Sequoia landed another job at a local McDonald's, and she quickly moved up the rank there, becoming a crew manager. Richard, her partner at the time, he mentioned in that same CW article that the couple had two pit bulls in their home. So overall, Sequoia was living a life that she always envisioned for herself. On Tuesday, August 31st, 2021, Sequoia was at home chilling, and sometime around 11.30 p.m. that evening, she decided to go to the convenience store to grab a bottle of water. Sequoia left her home in her 2009 Black Ford Fusion that night while a quick return was expected. But after some time had passed and she never came back, this is what started to set off alarm bells for Richard, and he started to reach out to Sequoia. 
Richard explained to the Columbus Dispatch that he tried to call her back to back, but he wasn't getting an answer. He even went on to say that Sequoia's phone appeared to be turned off. As more time was going by, Richard's concerns got stronger, and this is when he decided to reach out to Bree on the morning of September 1st. Now, this is where I was a little confused because the reporting from Dateline stated that Bree missed a call from Sequoia at 3 o'clock a.m. on August 31st. But for some reason, I think this may have actually been on the morning of September 1st. I am unable to confirm, but if this was the case, that would have been around three and a half hours, give or take, after Sequoia left her home that night. But just going back to the story here, when Bree did see that missed call, she wasn't alarmed by it because her and Sequoia had a tendency to speak to each other during unusual hours, so that wasn't abnormal for them. However, according to Bree's interview, when Sequoia's partner reached out after all of this would have happened, he asked her if Sequoia was with her because she never returned home. So from here, obviously, Bree tried to reach out to her best friend, but it was at this moment, and we got to keep in mind that if she did get that missed call after Sequoia's trip to the store, which would have been sometime during the morning of September 1st, Bree wouldn't have spoke to Sequoia. So she was most definitely alarmed by the time Richard reached out. Bree then suggested to Richard that he should contact authorities as it was concerning that no one could get in contact with Sequoia. According to the FBI's website, Sequoia was reported missing with the Columbus Division of Police that same day on September 1st, 2021. So her loved ones definitely moved fast. So as Sequoia was reported missing, her family members, who some were still back in her hometown of Toledo and some were in other states, they were sadly given the news that no one knew where she was. And when the rest of them were notified, they automatically felt no different than Bree or Richard, and they felt something had to be wrong because Sequoia would not just up and leave and disappear on her own accord. Now, going back to when Bree saw that missed call from Sequoia, essentially, if that was on the morning of September 1st, like I said, that would have been around three and a half hours after she left to go to the store. Sequoia did not leave a voicemail or any type of follow-up text. So after she was reported missing, this left Bree's mind to wander. And because the two are so close, Bree would have known if something was wrong. She stated that she was with Sequoia on the day before, on August 30th. The two of them had a typical best friend day together. They hung out, talked, ate, drank, nothing really out of the ordinary. Once an investigation began into her disappearance, Sequoia's loved ones did a lot of spreading awareness. They hung up flyers, posted to social media, I mean, whatever they could do to see if they could learn some answers. Them, along with a group of volunteers, even tried to search the area where Sequoia would have been going that night. And from what I got from watching a press conference for this case, Sequoia never even actually made it to the store. 
On the police's end, this is one of those episodes where, unfortunately, information pertaining to their investigation is being kept very close-knit, and this is because it is still ongoing. However, the Columbus Division of Police did post Sequoia's flyer to their social media pages, and again, just from watching the press conference, it seems that they've done their share of interviews with people, but that info on who or when that is unknown. Within months of her disappearance, law enforcement says they were receiving a few tips that were coming in, but as time continued, those leads dried up very fast. As far as Sequoia's relationship with Richard, Levine reported that the two have been with one another for about seven years. Richard reiterated to them that everything was good between him and Sequoia, and there were no problems with them as a pair or within her personal life that he knew of. As more months started to pass, Sequoia's loved ones came to realization that they haven't heard any updates on her whereabouts, and the investigation from their point of view seemed to take a standstill. It wasn't until February of 2022, five months after she went missing, that new major developments in Sequoia's case would be made known. The Columbus Division of Police announced that they found Sequoia's 2009 Black Ford Fusion. The vehicle was unoccupied and it was found on the west side of Columbus. Per reports from station NBC4I, the car did not have the correct license plate on it as it did not match Sequoia's registration. Now, her car was actually found only one month after she disappeared, so in October of 2021. But like I said, this announcement was only made public in February of 2022. When asked why there was a delay in the releasing of this information, Officer Radich, who has been close to this case, explained in the press conference that there was really no particular or tactical reason. So Sergeant Scott Leroy, who is a supervisor of the missing persons unit, he spoke out as well and he stated, quote, we've got various businesses that we continue to do research in, but at this time, we don't have anything to present. End quote. And this was regarding any type of video surveillance. Now, one thing's for sure, though, between the unusual inactivity on Sequoia's social media accounts, in addition to the discovery of her car with an incorrect license plate at that, authorities felt strongly that Sequoia may have been a victim of foul play. And this is the working theory that investigators have been pursuing since. Organizations like the Black Queer and Intersection Collective, aka the BQIC, along with other local groups, have definitely advocated for Sequoia's vanishing. The BQIC has organized their own searches in addition to making people aware that 33-year-old Sequoia has gone missing under some very suspicious circumstances. Now, law enforcement has faced some scrutiny for how they handled her case, the timing of the details released, in addition to how much they really blasted Sequoia's information. 
And obviously, when asked about that, they feel they have been doing what they can and have treated this case like anyone else's from the very beginning. Since the announcement of the discovery of Sequoia's vehicle, her case continued to remain stagnant and not generate much information or leads. Sequoia's brother James told local news 10WBNS that him and his family are still unaware about what has been found in his sister's car, if anything. But they are hoping with time, if something was discovered, it can lead authorities to Sequoia. With facing a very stationary investigation, the Columbus Division of Police received assistance from other law enforcement jurisdictions who could hopefully help with additional resources. By September of 2022, now a year after Sequoia would have been last seen by anyone, the FBI's involvement has been announced in her investigation. This major aid of more people getting involved made Sequoia's loved ones very happy. Most importantly, it made them feel like her disappearance would get a lot more exposure, and it just made them feel like her case mattered, period. With the FBI's connection now, they immediately offered a $10,000 reward for information pertaining to Sequoia's disappearance. And this was another factor that our family and friends were hoping would give someone a push if they knew anything about her whereabouts. In January of 2023, when she was interviewed by NBC's Dateline, Bree stated that Sequoia's cell phone has never been found, but She explained that she believes there was activity on Sequoia's Facebook account sometime after she went missing. According to Bree, she recalled logging on two times and noticing that Sequoia's messenger icon was green, which would indicate she was active online. Even though this is alarming and concerning, Bree cannot be so sure that her best friend was the one operating her own account. So she took screenshots of what she saw, and she ended up sending them to the FBI. But at the time of when this article was written, which was about four months ago, Bree was still unsure if that led to any further developments in Sequoia's case. The latest press conference that was held in September of 2022 not only made it clear that the FBI is now involved in this investigation, but it gave an opportunity for Sequoia's loved ones to come forward and ask the public for assistance. Sequoia's biological mother, Regina Love, along with her adoptive mother, Luann, they both spoke out at this press conference in addition to Brie. Collectively, all of Sequoia's loved ones are asking locals to share any information that they may know, whether it is big or small. Bree mentioned something really smart. If any residences that were nearby the store that Sequoia would have been going to that night, if they could share any helpful video they have, whether it's from their ring cameras, phones, etc., that could always make a difference. Sequoia's loved ones have been struggling for over a year now with no further movements regarding her case. And they sadly are starting to question whether she is even coming back alive. 
this is a case that could use the public's help. And I really wish the media was covering it a lot more. I have to wonder myself if authorities were able to track or get her cell phone data, which maybe could be helpful. And I also question if they looked into where Sequoia's Facebook account was being accessed from. In his earlier interview with the Columbus Dispatch, Richard, Sequoia's partner, mentioned he received a text message basically demanding money to speak with Sequoia or to return her. And this is another lane that I question. It definitely could be related on some ransom type stuff, or it could be someone just playing a sick joke. We really don't know. And like I stated very early on in this episode, due to the active ongoing investigation, a lot of information is not known at this moment. But at the end of the day, it has been reiterated that Sequoia would not just ignore the closest people in her life. This is someone who spoke to her adoptive mother, Luann, every day. This is someone who spent so much time being with and communicating with her best friend, Bree. This is someone who has an extremely close bond with her brother, James, someone who has been in a good reuniting relationship with her biological mother. This is someone, from what we know, who was living happily in a new city, in a new home, with her partner. And just to add to that statement, Richard mentioned that Sequoia wouldn't leave her two pit bulls behind or her two jobs. And although there is really nothing new detectives have been able to share, they do strongly believe that someone out there is the key to help solving this case, and someone out there knows exactly what happened to Sequoia that night. Sequoia Cooper, whose legal name is Devin, was last seen in the North Linden area near Howie Road and Weldon Avenue. This area is close in proximity to Creamines Park. I am not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But as stated, she was driving her 2009 Black Ford Fusion, which has been discovered in West Columbus a few weeks after anyone last saw her. Sequoia is described to be 5'5 and weighing approximately 145 pounds. She has black hair, brown eyes, and she was last seen wearing the lemonade Beyonce type braids, a black and white summer dress, along with black and white baby fat sandals. Sequoia also has two large tattoos, one on each thigh, and she would be approaching her 35th birthday in August of this year. Anyone with information related to the disappearance of Sequoia Cooper is asked to call the Central Ohio Crime Stoppers tip line at 614-461-8477, or you may also contact your local FBI office. 